we'll get rolling then. Emily, thanks for joining me. Uh, we're here for another episode of the Aviation Growth Podcast. And uh, today I have Emily Deaton, who is uh, the CEO of Jet Aviva, uh, recently named CEO. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to talk about a few different things today. Obviously, want to learn uh, a bit about you, your career, want to talk a little bit about your business, maybe a little bit about the market. Um, but maybe we could start with just a, a quick intro into who you are, what you do, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Awesome. Thank you. No, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So as you mentioned, yes, CEO of Jet Aviva. I've been with Jet Aviva for three years. I joined okay. in, in 2019. Uh, prior to that, I was with Embraer Executive Jets, so I'm still based in the Melbourne, Florida area. Cool. And altogether, been in the industry for about ten years. Okay, very yeah. cool. So, um, I guess maybe I wanted to hit on a little bit of news first. I I had seen I don't know on AIN or or somewhere that uh, Jet Aviva had recently joined the IADA. Um, maybe we could start with a, a little bit on that, what that means to your organization, maybe your customers, and we'll take it from there. Yes, absolutely. We are very excited to be a part of uh, the International Aircraft Dealers Association, if you want to do the long version. Yeah, sure. Um, but it is really a great opportunity for us in a couple of different areas. For the one side, the association is really working to contribute to our industry in a meaningful way. And I think if you learn a little bit more about IATA, but things about their foundation where they're providing sponsorship and scholarship for future entrants into the industry, and also the IATA University, which is a continuing education platform for brokers okay. to just make sure we're delivering the best experience for our clients. Um, that's something that we want to continue to contribute to as Jet Aviva. We bring a ton of experience through our time in the industry. And so this is something that we're pleased to partner with them in. For our clients though, the move is also meaningful. <clears throat> I think that this year, as we talk about the market in a little bit, yeah, having sure. access and being very well connected in the industry is gonna create more opportunity. And so for our clients, this benefits them as well because we will be able to further tap into a network of professionals in the industry and help identify either buying or selling opportunities for them. Gotcha. All right. Well, it makes a lot of sense. I know it's a well-respected uh, organization and has been around for a long time. And so very cool. So maybe tell us a little bit about Jet Aviva. Um, you've been there for a few years now, but maybe going back to like the roots of the company, how did it get started and um, kind of, you know, what do you guys do today? Awesome. Yeah, we have a really cool origin story. Um, our company was founded in 2006. So we've been in business for just over 15 years, which is remarkable. But it was started by uh, two guys who were just very passionate about aviation, aerospace, uh, flying. Yeah, so sure. Cyrus Sagari and Ben Marcus, um, they started the company in really recognized an opportunity to be highly specialized in a certain segment of the market. So they came in and they helped people transition from turboprops into the entry level in light jet category aircraft. Okay. And they also then recognized that by creating relationships and enabling people to feel really comfortable as they transitioned into jet ownership, either for the first time or coming out of a different category of airplane, that there was a lot of other services they could benefit um, that could benefit the customer. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's how they got started. And then over time, we've grown. We've we've actually added a ton of different makes and models that we specialize in into the organization. But we've never lost that core component, which is sure. being really focused on the relationship and understanding our clients and what their needs are, and then also being highly specialized in different makes and models. And so we still have that essential structure to the business, but we've grown our coverage base. So today, we recently released our biannual printed market report, and it's a really good example of how um, the experts that we have on our team you can go look at this document and you can see, I think there's 25 or 27 different makes and models that we give a very specific, insightful look into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, just kind of that's the culture of Jetaviva and that's what we do. But we buy and sell. Uh, we help people buy and sell anything from a turboprop all the way through an ultra long range category airplane. We're known for being one of the largest brokers in the industry in terms of transaction volume. Sure. So we average about 100 transactions a year. Very cool. Yeah. So you guys are staying busy. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Especially coming out of Q4, I think we're all still reeling a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So like looking at that at that process of whether it's buying your first aircraft or, you know, maybe you're moving up into a new category of aircraft. This is a little bit different than like buying a car where, you know, like there's, there's more to it than just like looks and... Uh, the performance is more than just like top speed or like acceleration, right? There's there's different mission profiles, things like that. How do you how do you work with customers to really like find them? I guess the right aircraft for them. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Right? There really is a lot that goes into it. I mean, on the one hand, you really have to understand your client. So you mm. really and you have to some to some degree help them understand what it is that's going to best suit them. So that's right. a process, right? And making sure that you're asking the right questions and you're really honing in on what's critically important to them. Then you take all of that information and you match it up to the market. Right. And then you have to couple that with, okay, you may have honed in on a set of aircraft that would be a good fit for your buyer. But now, because it's 2022, you have to then assess that through the lens of can you get that airplane? You know, what is accessible? What can you get access to in the market? Because inventory is in such short supply. So you're always balancing as a broker all of these different demands, which can be in tension with one another, right? What the client is looking for, what might be the best solution for them, and then what they can actually buy. Because at the end of the day, and I say this to my team a lot, if we have a buyer, the win is finding them an airplane, right? Right. And it may be a creative approach to getting there that they didn't foresee at the beginning, but that is ultimately what we're trying to do for them. Sure. And so, you know, I'm not... I'm not a buyer or a seller of aircraft myself, Um, but I I know that this is a very competitive market in regards to the number of brokers out there. And so how do you guys, how do you stay competitive in this market and how have you built up this business to be, you know, one of the, the top players in the market? Well, I think it's, it's a really good question, but I think it also goes back to what, has been a fundamental for us from the beginning, right? We we always, and we say this all the time, but we put relationships first because at the end of the day, having clients that trust you and know you and are willing to come to you over time, that's beneficial for any business, regardless sure. of what you're doing. And so that's important to us at Jetaviva. And obviously we provide a really high level of client experience that makes them want to come back, right? 
But then you have to couple that with the expertise. And and when I say expertise, it yes, we have experts in the aircraft themselves, which is important in this business, but also really knowing these markets. And by being so specialized and able to respond to our clients in a very specific, meaningful way, also knowing who they are as individuals, I think that's really enabled us to be successful over time. Sure. And do you have an idea on like repeat business? How many people come and and buy multiple aircraft through you guys? It's a large percentage of our business. And I would also say it's one of the reasons that we've grown also in a, the number of makes and models that we cover. Mm-hmm. Some of that was very intentional, uh, purposeful growth of the company, but some of it was also just organic. Sure. Like you have our original customer who purchased perhaps an entry-level aircraft and then he stepped up into a light jet and then he stepped up into a midsize aircraft. And so we've grown up too alongside our clients. And I think that's really a testament to what we sure. do. And so tell me a little bit about like the structure of the organization and how many people are on the team and maybe a little bit about their functions. Sure. So there's about 20 folks on the team and they are, we're split pretty much evenly between support as we would deem pretty much anybody who's yeah. non-selling. I okay. count myself in that category, fully supporting the organization okay. and then full-time sales professionals. Okay. Um, and then so from a roles and responsibilities standpoint, the people that you see most at, in our organization are the sales directors and they're responsible for covering specific makes and models and also working their existing relationships. And we have an exceptional team. I mean, I could probably, I think when we were talking previously, spend a lot of time talking about my team and, and how unique they are. But then we also have a really strong operational support backbone of the organization. So we have analysts and researchers. We have sales support functions. We have a really strong marketing department at Jet Aviva. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're well known for is our marketing. Um, we have a transactions team, a technical services director. And so there's a lot that kind of goes on behind the scenes sure. to make the the transactions happen in a really smooth uh, way for the client. Gotcha. So now you've been there for part of the team for three years, four years, three years, three years now. And so, um, you know, I was looking at your profile and we had talked and I I had seen, you know, you, you you're previously at Embraer, joined the organization a few years ago and you've accelerated, uh, through, I guess, VP of sales and then COO and now recently CEO, um, what does that journey look like for you? I mean, I'd say that's tip, you know, it's pretty accelerated. And so what is that, what has that been like for you? It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess we'll start there. <laughs> it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, I think if I look back on it and I, I had the opportunity to reflect because you would ask the question, yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with taking a really different approach to the sales process at Jet Aviva. Mm-hmm. Um, my appointment into the vice president of sales role was a bit non-standard okay. for our industry for a couple of reasons. I was not a sales director previously, and it was the first time that Jet Aviva had had a non-selling sales leader in the position. Mm-hmm. And I think that this has been very beneficial for our organization for a couple of reasons. One, it reduced a perceived perhaps conflict of interest Right. Because okay. of, you know, the nature of selling. Sure. You can sometimes find that there's a tension there between, well, you know, the opportunities and how things are distributed throughout the team and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And so that was immediately off the table. Yeah. So it allowed me to approach the sales process in the organization with a very fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. But then also I have a really strong process background. I mean, I 
I love people and I love leadership, but most of my career hasn't been has been in process efficiencies, improvements, and things of that nature. Okay. And so to come into the organization with that perspective and really do that in the sales team, and then the take a step back and say, well, if we can do that in this area, like can we bleed that into these other areas? And of course the answer is yes. Yeah, and sure. so then you find yourself getting kind of pulled into these different directions and and so then I was asked to do that in a more official capacity, right? Okay. Hence the title change. Yeah. Of course, that happened six days perhaps before the shutdowns with COVID. Okay. <laughs> I think it was like very early March of 2020 and I had accepted the position and seven days later, more or less, I mean, everybody was on lockdown. Yeah. And so I'm sitting in my house because I work remotely mm-hmm. in Merritt Island, Florida going, what in the world are we going to do? (laughs) So, you know, I've had the opportunity to lead the team and do a lot of this um, work to make the company as effective and efficient as possible in a very uncertain environment. And I learned a lot by doing that. And I think that's really set me up for success as we look to the future, because you have to get comfortable with uncertainty Sure. When you're dealing with times like that. So sure. I don't know. That's kind of how we got here. Yeah. I guess, you know, along the way, maybe what, obviously, I, probably jumping into COVID and just like facing the uncertainty of what was going to happen was probably a, a big challenge. But maybe what are some of the bigger challenges that you faced in the last year or two? And um, maybe, I guess, any, um, what am I trying to say? How are, how are you, I guess, how have things changed maybe for the business in the last, you know, one or two years? I think, um, you know, to, to not look at things through the lens of the impact that COVID had on organizations. I mean, we have to do that. I think it's an important part of things. One of the things that we learned as a result of this is that, and uh, there's a great analogy for it, and I love it, so I'll use it here. But it it was this exercise that we call shaving the barnacles off the ship. So I'll, we have been in business for 15 years. Yeah. And that does create things that, well, we've done it that way because that's how we've always done it. And we, you know, we spend money here. We invest there. We're structured this way. We use this tool. And to some degree, it just becomes part of your day-to-day, and you don't really stop to think right. about it. COVID forced you to stop everything and look at everything differently. And so that was huge for us. So we actually were able to really streamline in a lot of different areas because we enabled ourselves to just not hold on to anything. We gave ourselves the grace to just say, everything is on the table for good or for bad. And let's have a real conversation around what's meaningful and what's essential for the business. And what we've really sought to do is continue to carry that method forward, right, as we move into the future. And so we, we've given ourselves the opportunity to always look at things and say, is it essential? Do we need it? If we were to ask ourselves in five years if it add, would add value, like yeah. how would we answer that question and just be really thoughtful in our decision making? Mm-hmm. And how about like from a um, a marketing standpoint? I know you, you had said you have a, a great marketing team. Has that changed and have you have you made any tweaks to how you're approaching like the marketing of whether it's your business or your particular aircraft that you're representing? How has that changed? We have been forced, frankly, mm-hmm. by the market to look at our marketing process 
differently. Mm-hmm. Um, when I joined the organization, most of our time and energy was spent around marketing the aircraft that we were representing on behalf of our sellers, mm-hmm. right? And that takes a tremendous amount of energy, and it's something that we try to do very professionally and very, very well. And when you're carrying anywhere from 40 to 50 listings at any given point, it's a full-time gig. Right. Well, the market completely changes, and now you find you're looking at your marketing plan, your calendar, and your what are you communicating to the marketplace, and you have far fewer listings, we'll say. Right. Then you have to think about what are you saying? What is the message? What are you wanting to communicate about the brand? And so that was an opportunity for us to think really strategically about our brand definition, our messaging to the marketplace, and then how we continue to position ourselves Again, focusing on relationships and our high degree of expertise to the marketplace in a fresh way without the benefit of this pre-existing marketing content. Sure. And it's been great. I think it's been a really healthy exercise for us. And we've found that we're still continuing to drive a lot of demand to the side and through leads and all the ways that you measure your effective marketing with very different content. Mm -hmm. And I always look like, you know, um, I guess they're, they're still out there, but you know, like magazines that have aircraft listings in it. I just don't know how is that even applicable right now in today's in today's market? And are things going to going to change because it's such, you know, from what I'm seeing, like a lot of the transactions are happening in in really a couple of days from the time something hits the market. Like there's a lot of aircraft that aren't even on the market that these transactions are going through. So how are you looking at that as like a, um, a change in, in how business is done? I mean, you're absolutely right. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, we actually have been, I love data. <laughs> I come from a data background, yeah, sure. so I love information. And this is something that we've been tracking for a while now, which is we're essentially evaluating the number of airplanes that are coming on the market in official capacity versus the number of transactions that have been occurring. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the data doesn't make sense on the surface. We're selling more airplanes than are listed. And so the natural then conclusion is what you stated. Most of these transactions are occurring as we would deem it off market in our industry. So it has changed our approach to the market um, somewhat. What it really is changing is the way that we coach our clients. Because at the end of the day, the people that really need to understand this better, as brokers, we're adaptable. Right. right. Like our goal is to get the transaction done. So on market, off market, we can navigate that. Right. It's a different mindset for a buyer or a seller. Mm. And mindsets are often the hardest things to yeah. change. Right. Like, <laughs> sure. so there's this preconceived notion that I'm going to list my airplane and, you know, I find an airplane on the market. Let me say it this way. I find an airplane on the market and I get the chance to make an offer. And so I think I'm going to come in low and then they're going to counter And then I'm going to counter. And this is like the process. I mean, if you've bought something that's expensive, this is normally what happens. And we're like, no, no. Yeah. You get one chance here. Right. You you have to behave differently. You have to approach the market differently. You have to work with a different sense of urgency. And so it's a lot of that dialogue and then hoping that your clients trust you enough to allow you to work on their behalf and in such a fast paced and different market. Right. Yeah, there's just not there's not room for much negotiation because you know that somebody's going to be right there making another offer. Yeah, alongside. and it's yeah. hard, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, I'll I'll use home buying because I feel like most people have bought a house, sure, or they've been through that process. And 
you want to evaluate your options. You want to take time to think about it. It's a huge decision. Yeah. Like I fully respect that. And that's tough. But at the end of the day, and it's just like this in the home market as well, sometimes people are buying things sight unseen. They're not getting to compare a couple of houses side by side anymore. And they're not getting to think about the decision over the weekend. Yeah. You know, it's this, you got to go, you got to go. And that's hard. It's not as pleasant of a buying experience, but it's the reality that we're in right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, as we, obviously 2021 was a, a big year, there a lot of transactions. There's right now there's very little inventory, I guess. How are you looking at the market moving forward? Um, I know that I don't think that much is changing right now, but maybe you have a, a good look on things. And, um, you know, I know that that aircraft manufacturers are trying to kind of do the best that they can to to get new aircraft into the market. But um, what are you what are you seeing in general? I mean, generally speaking, the inventory situation is a challenge, but at the same time, the opportunities are still presenting themselves. I mean, they it really is about being smart and intentional in your approach. And so if you're tracking the market closely, you will find airplanes out there to buy. The The most critical component that I think is an industry we don't want to lose is the demand. And so as far as I can tell, that seems positioned to continue. I did do some research recently and almost 30%, so between 25 and 30% of the transactions for buyers that we had last year were first-time buyers, new entrants into the market. Okay. And that's a healthy yeah, sure. number. And it's something that as an industry, we've always wanted to attract more entrants into the space. Right. Now, I think the challenge changes a little bit and it becomes this question of retention, right? Keeping them in the industry and seeing them move up through their operational life over the long term. That's really healthy for the industry. We can continue to be successful if that's the case. But as we all well know, I mean, things can change on a dime. I mean, anything could happen potentially. But I think as long as we keep demand strong and we're able to very carefully and day by day create transactions by connecting buyers and sellers, I think we'll continue to do well. Yeah. But I've, you know, three years with Jet Aviva, three very different market yeah. <laughs> years, I refuse to have a crystal ball. Like yeah, I, I won't sure. do it. I'll maybe give you my, you know, 90 day prediction. That's yeah. all you're getting out of me. <laughs> um, for those first time buyers that are, um, that are entering the market, is there a lot of competition from because i know that like charter demand is huge right now and it seems like every charter company out there is also looking for aircraft and so how are are, is there a lot of competition there in regards to you know individuals competing with businesses and yeah i mean i think that that's always been the case and it will continue to be okay i mean even if you look at the oem situation and you well stated i mean they're doing their best to try to supply a market that has way too much demand. But they're also trying to provide aircraft for the fractional companies, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's always been a tension because the fractional providers have tons of demand as well. They need more aircraft to support their operations. So the inventory challenge will continue to be competitive. I expect that. I think what's most interesting for the first-time buyers is getting them into the right private aircraft solution for them 
is essential. Right. I'm a little bit concerned, and concerned is probably a strong word, but I think just due to lack of options, right? Couldn't get charter. Right. Couldn't get fractional. Got a whole air, airplane. Yeah. That's an expensive <laughs> investment, right? So making sure that people are in the right space at the right time, I think, is going to be critical for them staying in the industry for longer. So hopefully we don't see a little bit of a re- rebound there. Sure. Kind of a, whoa, I maybe got over my skis yeah, here sure. a tiny bit. But um, but those are the kinds of things that we do work really closely with our clients to try to prevent. So this very highly consultative approach in the beginning is really Right. You're not just trying to get them into no, any aircraft because no. you know that's not. We want them to get into the right, right airplane one. and we want them to get into it for the long term. We don't want them to, you know, three months later say, oh, whoa, this isn't this wasn't the right solution for me. So. Right. Yeah, sure. One, one of the things I wanted to maybe dig into just a little bit was you said you're, you're very data driven and data focused. Um, and a, a lot of the companies that I talk with, you know, have been around for a bit, have kind of, they've been running a lot with like their gut feel on a lot of things. And now they're maybe seeing that that without data on hand to make decisions, they're, they may be lost and whatever they may be, whether they sell aircraft, sell parts, you know, maintenance providers, whatever it may be. What, what's been your approach to just like data aggregation and reporting? And has there been, you know, a push in your organization to really like lock in on data and information? It, it is. It's essential, I think. And yes, there there has been a push and it is a it is a challenging thing to come into a smaller firm. Yeah, that's predominantly comprised of salespeople that I love. I have yeah. lots of salespeople <laughs> on my team and then try to create a structure around that that enables you to capture data so that you can improve your decision making. I mean, that is the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm a big follower of my gut, right? Like I, I love intuition. I love when you have people that are like, I'm picking up on something or I feel like there's a trend. But then I think the next positive step is to try to prove it through data, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, we're feeling this thing. We're seeing this thing. But can we show that it's actually happening? Yeah. And then if we can see it, now we have something that we can actually work with and either improve or change or manage to. That's right. ultimately the goal. Um, so we have a really robust system at Jadaviva now, and we use a CRM. And I'm a I, my previous role at Embraer was CRM strategy. So, I mean, I could talk CRM for a lot of time. We won't do that. <laughs> I don't think that's as exciting for people. But, um, there, but there's a ton of valuable information about your customers and what you've done before and how efficient you are and how long things take and how successful you're converting. And when you can lay all of that out, it's like a roadmap for improvement. Right. It doesn't mean that you're going to manage with a stick. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're using this information to spy on people. Yeah. Spy on people or beat them over the head with, you know, you haven't called your lead back in five minutes. No, but it does give you a tremendous amount of color and clarity around the right investment of your time at the right time opportune moment right. to be successful. And so I, I love having information, yeah. but I think you have to use it, you know, for, for good. For sure. 
Yeah, no, and I, I, I like that, and I, I saw, like, you know, in your, uh, as a CRM, I'm sorry, I don't know what the title was, but knowing that you were, like, heavily involved in that, I figured that was going to be your your answer around that. But, you know, I, I speak to a lot of companies, and, you know, everybody's hungry for growth, but without that information, it's really hard to figure out, well, where do we want to you know, where do we want to invest? Whether it's in, you know, hey, where where are we um, doing well geographically? Where are we not doing well? Do we need to hire a person to cover a particular territory? Or where are we seeing conversion rates really high on certain type of products versus other products? And without that information, you're, you're really shooting blind. And so, um, you know, not every, the the price tag for CRMs is all, often from, you know, what I hear a lot is that it's somewhat overwhelming um, or that maybe they're not, um, not necessarily seeing the return on investment, but the uh, there's a lot of options for CRMs out there today. A lot of them are super customizable and the insights that you can get if you're using them right are just super valuable. Yeah, I agree. And and to your point, I, I think just like we were talking about earlier, how important it is to bring your clients in to the right solution for their operation. Mm-hmm. It's equally as important to have the right CRM CRM solution for your business. Sure. Right. Like because it is a huge investment and it can be very overwhelming. And I do think it's something that you need to right size for your business. And if it needs to grow, great. All CRMs right. are capable of doing more. Right. But making sure that they're doing the essential fundamental things at the beginning and just getting really, really comfortable there and honing in on utilization is an important first step. But I think it's interesting. CRM and and data, it's like one side of the equation, but it has to be balanced with people, right? It's always this balance between people and processes. I think the right CRMs are the ones that make your people better. Right. If you have a CRM that's not improving the way that your team does business, it's not adding value to their day to day, then it it's never going to be yeah. well adopted. You're going to be constantly fighting with the team to use the tool right. because the tool isn't benefiting them. So I, I love to look at operational things through the lens of the individual. Yeah. I think that's probably yeah. the healthiest approach. Yeah, I had a conversation with our um, – actually Carl, who we were talking about earlier, but, um, you know, he always says you can't, you can't manage metrics. You have to manage people, right? The people are the ones that are driving all of these metrics. And so there's only so much that you can do when it comes to the CRM side of things. It gives you the right, you know, if it's set up properly and set up in the right ways, it gives you the information to, manage your people and, and send them in the right direction, make the right decisions so that you can ultimately meet your goals. But a lot of people do fight the CRM. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of resistance and typically adoption issues. Um, but I think that going into it with the right mindset and also properly planning for adoption and having like a dedicated project manager. And I think that's something that, you know, I talk a lot about in regards to just technology in general. 
if you think you're just going to buy something and it's just going to work, you're you're probably going to end up with a with a failure. It's really important to have, you know, somebody that's dedicated to seeing it through, making adjustments, creating a training plan, all that type of stuff to to really make it work. Yeah, I agree. And I think I'm very thankful we're structured on our team to have an individual that oversees all of that mm-hmm. and he's highly specialized, very very talented in that regard and and it does enable us to maximize our return on investment. I mean, your your comment earlier about investment is so true. I think I was in this role of CEO for about five minutes before my LinkedIn inbox was just assaulted with all of the things that I could (laughs) buy and spend money in and learn about. And you're like, okay. I mean, and there's probably some really good stuff in there. But if you don't have a way to assess what your needs are and if they're really going to add value, it's just, I mean, you can spend money on anything. You can spend money on everything, frankly. Sure. Um, So you do need some sort of system for that. Yeah. So now in in this role of CEO that you recently jumped into, how how has that changed your, I guess, day to day? And what's what's that transition been like to well, being the the head of the company? So I'm still fully in the transition. Yeah. Let's be let's be very sure. honest. We'll call a spade a spade here. <laughs> it hasn't been very long. Um, for the most part, I mean, again, I have great support and leadership around me. I'm, you know, Cyrus is still very involved in the business as the chairman and the Mm -hmm. co-founder. And now Tim White and his role of vice chairman, our former CEO, is they're very much making sure that this is a successful and smooth transition. And I have, I have a ton of support. Um, We also added Ryan Scott to the organization last year, and he's, you know, a 30 year tenured sales professional. And so, they are enabling me to transition into this in, I think, the very best and healthiest way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to learn a ton from them, and I have people to bounce ideas off of. And so we are very much approaching this collectively as a team. Sure. For the most part, my day-to-day is is there's a lot of similarities as COO and kind of having the operational day-to-day leadership of the organization for the last two years. I'm keeping all of that mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, but I'm also now taking on this new responsibility of looking to the future. Mm-hmm. You know, what's next for Jetaviva and how are we continue to be defined as a brand and what relationships are important for us to be nurturing and fostering and things like our participation in IATA um, are very much in that vein. So I'm excited for what's next. I'm, you know, of course, going through the process of managing yeah. my time and understanding kind of where to be and what's the most important thing for the moment. But at the end of the day, I have, I have the right support, and and I'm, you know, I'm willing. Willingness is half the battle, right? Sure. So it's sure. gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, so we're, I guess, a little over a month into into the new year. What uh, anything on the forecast for Jetta Viva as you've kind of taken the reins here? How do you look at this next year? I mean, I think we're going to continue to try to capitalize on the demand that we're seeing as an industry. That's obviously first and foremost for us as a business. And um, we're looking to strengthen relationships um, in the community of brokers and and within the broader aviation network as well, continuing to be really, really strong so that we can best serve our clients. And hopefully it's as successful as last year. I mean, we're coming off of two really strong years. We want to continue to leverage that momentum and then, you know, that enables us to look beyond and think about where we want to be. I mean, our, our mission at the firm is to 
really earn, and I say earn on purpose, the most relationships in the industry because we want our clients to appreciate doing business with us, come back for the long term. And so we're just going to continue to do that as best we can. Cool. Yeah. Well, very cool. It's exciting and all all good stuff. Um, anything else that you wanted to to touch on while we're while we're chatting? Nothing super specific. Okay. I mean, I would encourage anyone if you're not familiar with Genevieve yeah. or our team, which I didn't get a ton of time to spend on them, but check out our website, go to our team page, peruse around. Yeah. Um, it really does provide a lot of color as to what we do and how we do it. There's fun stuff on there too. If you like looking at airplanes, we have a lot of airplane stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're here to help where it's an open door. So if anyone has a question about really anything aviation related, I just encourage them to give us a call. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you for stopping by. It's been awesome meeting you. And um, it's been great to learn about your organization, all the things that you're doing. So I appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course.